Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! There's the knee, and that's it. Yes! Oh, Detroit. Two teams will meet out in the middle of the field to say job well done. Job better done on this night by your NFC North champion Detroit Lions who are going to the NFC Championship game where they will see San Francisco next week with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. That was what it sounded like on the ticket. The Lions are playing in the NFC Championship game and it's been great to see. No doubt about it. Our guy, Jeff Rieger, he knows about the ticket and he knows about the Lions, and that's why we like talking with him. It's the Bernstein and Home Show. Lawrence and Layla here with you. Rieger, are you sober? Are you looking forward to being around sober people on this, or is everyone in Detroit just totally either drunk or high because the Lions are, are finding themselves in the championship game? Uh, guys, first of all, hello. And, uh, yeah, nobody's sober. What fun would that be? We're all hammered, like, for the longest time. And you guys know this, being in Chicago. You made fun of Detroit. Of course you did. But you can never say Lions and Super Bowl in the same sentence because people would just, like, laugh at you. You would always say it to yourself because you could never say it in public. They would think you were crazy. But now they're 60 minutes away from a Super Bowl, and it's insane. And this place is ready to explode if they can find a way to do the unthinkable and beat the Niners. I feel like with the best teams, the the comeback or the, uh, I guess, the progress, if you will, in this case, is, is a little bit ahead of schedule. When you saw how this was coming together and the results of it in the playoffs so far this season, hosting two playoff games for the first time in a season, for example, in Detroit, did you feel that way, knowing that they were putting something together and it was going well, but then seeing it go so well, it's almost like uh, exponential growth. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, I do think all of Detroit was satisfied with beating Matthew Stafford. All we've ever wanted were small potatoes. Just give us a playoff win. Like, other cities were like, oh, my God, a playoff win. What's that big deal? Like, the Giants won a playoff game last year. They didn't throw a parade. But in Detroit, we would have thrown a parade. Add to it that you beat Matthew Stafford. Was there 12 years, could never win a playoff game. So I, I think that was almost enough. I, I do believe this. But then it's almost like the NFL missed Detroit's birthday for the last 30 years. So they gave them the best birthday gift ever, which was a Packer win over the Cowboys, which meant you now get two playoff games. So you didn't have one for 30 years. Now you get two in two weeks. And you're a favorite against Baker Mayfield and the freaking Bucks for crying out loud. So now it goes from 
We're satisfied. We're happy to. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to beat the Bucks. You're a favorite. If you lose to the Niners, I do feel people are going to be like, amazing season. Like you mentioned, still the best is yet to come. You're ahead of schedule. But you also think and talk to other Lions fans that have been alive for way too long, watching way bad football, and you don't know the next time you're going to get here. It's been 30 years, 32 years since winning a playoff game. So I, I do think while there is a feeling now of house money, everything's gravy, you know, icing on the cake, whatever you want to use, cliche you want to use. But I do think there's a lot of Lions fans that also think like, you better make good on Sunday because if you don't win this football game, there's no guaranteed in an improved NFC North next year that you're going to get back here. Right. You didn't build a team contending for a playoff win. The goal is to build a team that contends for a Super right. Bowl. But I feel like that foundation was there. You're seeing it happen in real time. Yeah, no, there's no question. I mean, next year they should be good again. It's going to be a tougher schedule. They'll have the first place schedule, but like Panay Sewell's not going anywhere. Brad Holmes just won executive of the year. Panay Sewell and Amon Ross St. Brown were all pros. It's been forever since you had an all pro in Detroit. Jared Goff is the franchise quarterback. He's going to get paid. You know, McVay didn't want him, but Detroit is happy to have him. And they have, talking about the Lions, one of the better offenses in football, a great offensive line. Everybody's relatively young. The only problem is fitting all these contracts to be under the salary cap, but that's like a off-season problem. Like, the problem right now is in two days taking on San Francisco, but you're absolutely right. Like, the future is really bright. There's no question. You got a head coach that changed the culture. Forever it was always, all right, new head coach. He's going to get fired. He's never going to get hired by another team ever again. Like, that was a Detroit stat. Like, we use this term in Detroit. It's called lion eyes, which is the look in a coach's eyes when he realizes he's probably days away from getting whacked. Like, that's how it's been. Dan Campbell comes in, talks about biting kneecaps. Everybody makes fun of him, and he's 60 minutes away from a Super Bowl. So everything has truly changed, and it's hard to wrap your head around, but it's awesome. Why do you think Campbell has had the impact that he's had? So I think the short answer is he's completely different than Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. Like, Matt Patricia was a horrible coach, kind of a con man that just continues to get people to hand things to him. Like, I think um, the Philadelphia Eagles probably aren't happy they allowed Matt Patricia to run their defense for the last most important six weeks of the season. But then they wanted to get away from that Patricia-type coach, which was kind of selfish, didn't really work well with any other facet of the organization. And Sheila Ford, the owner, said, listen, we're going completely opposite. We're going to hire on transparency. And they go out and they find this guy, Dan Campbell, and he's kind of just a normal dude. And he said, too, he's like, listen, Sheila Ford allows me to be me, which is great. He has this ability to relate to anybody. He was a blocking tight end in the NFL. He went 0-16 with the Detroit Lions, so he understood the passion and the torment that was here in Detroit. But I think more than anything else, He's just a relatable guy that keeps you honest. He tells you when you stink. He tells you when you're good. But these guys love playing for him. And I know there's always that, like, hey, do you want a player's coach or don't you? And, you know, will these players take advantage of a player's coach? But he's found the right middle ground. It's like this relatable plus they, they, they will run through the wall for the guy. And I do think it helped that he probably played. And I don't think I think it probably helped that he wasn't a star either. But more than anything, I, I think 
he just relates to his guys really well, no matter who you are, if you're a star or if you're just, you know, number 53 in the round. Yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell being relatable yet ridiculous in some of his statements is is the most fair of the <laughs> assessments. It's as entertaining as it is functional right now. When it comes to your biggest concern against the 49ers, is it is it maybe pass defense? What is it for you that says this is the thing that worries me the most about the Lions' chances? You Chicago people always have to start negative. Can't we just be positive? I'm totally kidding. We gave um, you 10 yes. minutes of positive, Rieger. We gave you is, 10 minutes. I mean, I I've, I basically gave validity to the entire like project they've been running. I don't know what more to do here. I, I too, would love to see Barry Sanders back. No. Oh, that'd be nice. Absolutely. <laughs> they could use him in the backfield. No, but I think you're dead on it. I think the problem is going to be Brock Purdy and Ayuk and Jennings and Debo if he plays and it looks like he's going to play because, you know, this Detroit defense bends but doesn't break. And that's what we like to say in Detroit. However, if you look at the last five weeks, guys, it's been gruesome, whether it's Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, whether it's Mike Evans last week, 157 yards, Puka Nakua the first playoff week, the wild card, 178 yards. They give up so much through the air. So I, I do kind of feel that the Niners and Brock, without a doubt, they're going to get theirs. And it's just obviously up to the Lions to once again bend, but don't break and keep them out of the end zone. If you look at how many points they've given up, November was a really bad month. They lost two or three games. They got lit up like a Christmas tree. December and uh, January really got better. And they're averaging, allowing about 21, 22 a game. If you keep the Niners to 21, I think you'll win the football game. They went to Dallas a couple weeks back. Cowboys averaging 40 points a game at home. They held them to 20. So the defense is ugly in the way they win but they still find a way to win. Here's the other thing. Like if you look at the four teams remaining in the postseason, you got the Ravens, the number one scoring defense. They allow like 15 points a game. The, I believe it's the chiefs, the number two scoring defense. They allow like 16 points a game. The Niners, the number three scoring defense. They allow 17 and a half points a game. Then there's the lions who are 24th ranked. So like one of these things doesn't look like the other, right guys? So I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint, you say, wow, how did they get there? They got there because they got a great offense and they're really good keeping you out of the end zone once you get to the red zone. All right, let's go back to the positive. My cousin Brad has done an incredible job uh, up there with the the draft. In particular, this year, did you guys expect that, that his draft picks would have this type of impact this quickly? I didn't know Brad was related to you. We're we're not related. Uh, you, you must be very. Although we might He's be. got executive here. <laughs> we might. You never know. I mean, we uh, probably he is, but you never know. Anyway, but I I was shocked by like because I remember people when they drafted Jameer Gibbs. I remember people being like, "Ooh, now I'm a Bama yes. guy." So I knew that that he was a guy that could make some plays for you. But even I thought that was a high pick for Jameer Gibbs. The fact that you've had, what, five guys from that draft class play significant roles on this team is impressive. So if you go back to the Tampa Bay game and Jameer Gibbs um, had the most yards on the field, right, and that was a rookie, 
Brian Branch had the most tackles. That's a rookie. Sam Laporta had, I believe, the most catches. He's a rookie as well. But you're right, Lawrence. Like, when Jameer Gibbs was drafted, there was a huge contingent of Detroit that, like, what What are you stupid? You're drafting a running back? Nobody drafts a running back in the first round. And it's not Bijan Robinson. So what are you doing? And to be fair, it did take Jameer a little bit of time, three, four weeks to get going. He also was injured. But he's pretty prolific, isn't he? And there's nobody better running outside of the tackles in football than Jameer Gibbs. And it just so happens that the Niners do struggle stopping a guy that runs outside of the tackle. So maybe that's a positive for the Lions. But you're absolutely right. Over the last two years, the draft picks that have hit for Brad Holmes has been crazy. And people love to tell the story, right? Brad Holmes, 18 years ago, he was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, just trying to figure out how to get in the NFL. The Rams hired him as a PR assistant or intern. And next thing you know, he's executive of the year and he's in the NFC title game. So I do think there was a lot of people that wondered about Jack Campbell and Jameer Gibbs. And I think we thought Brian Branch was a steal when you got him in the second round. But it's pretty amazing how all these draft picks have hit. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, obvious, second overall. But, like, James Houston was a six-round draft pick, right, and had eight sacks last year. You know, Malcolm Rodriguez, he's time at linebacker, got him in the sixth round. So it's been pretty amazing. And now I think Detroit trusts the guy. Like, you finally have a guy in Detroit that can draft. And if you go over what's gone on in the last 30 years, and maybe every city's like this, but we can pick out the busts. And the fan base usually calls it a bust before they're actually a bust. But these last two draft classes has definitely been different. Lawrence and I were talking earlier, Jeff, about the trade that sent Jared Goff to Detroit. And I yes. asked him, based on the results regarding Stafford and Goff, you could argue that that trade was a win for everybody. Like, that's one of the few trades where everyone seems to be getting exactly what they needed out of it. A hundred percent agree with you. Like, it's pretty rare, right, that you get a win-win. Stafford went to La La Land. He was, he's happy. You know, he won his Super Bowl. His wife's not happy. She claims that us Detroiters were booing her kids. That never happened, by the way. I just want to stick up for Detroiters. And then, obviously, Jared Goff came here, and, and nobody thought he was going to be the quarterback. You got two first rounds as well from the Rams and everybody thought like, you're going to go draft your quarterback and he's going to be here for the next 10 years. And Jared Goff is, you know, with the tutelage of Ben Johnson, the OC and Dan Campbell, the head coach, he's been better than advertised. And then what they did with those two first round picks, whether it be getting uh, Jamison Williams and Jameer Gibbs and uh, if he Fonwu, like if you look at who those two first round picks have turned into they got some really productive players and you wouldn't be here without those guys so 100% agree with you I mean it was Brad Holmes first move he got the job shortly after he traded the franchise quarterback Stafford wanted out we got golf everybody thought golf was going to be a bridge quarterback and next thing you know like he's going to get a big time extension and that's the only question now how many years and how much money annually I remember back in 2007 I was doing a solo show here at night and I was talking about the Bears after they won the NFC championship game of what it would be like if they were like I was kind of imagine allowing myself to like imagine what Chicago would be like if they won the Super Bowl. I look over at the phone lines and my producers are like, ah, 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 and I'm like, what's wrong? 
And I, I look up, and Lance Briggs is on the line. Like, he was still obviously playing, and he was listening to the show, and he jumped on, and he talked about, like, he was having the same thoughts about, like, what it would be like if if the Bears were to win the Super Bowl. So let me ask you this. What do you think Detroit's going to be like if you guys win on Sunday? Unthinkable. I think a lot of Lions fans don't expect him to win, but uh, unthinkable. So we've always been a Lions town. And for the time, the Lions have stunk. So we decided to, you know, root for Michigan or Michigan State. And that's always been how football fans in Detroit got by. Like we saw the Wings win Stanley Cups. Some of us have seen the Tigers win a world championship. We saw the Pistons win it all in 2004. But there's nothing as big as the Lions. All we've ever wanted in Detroit was to have an NFL team that was just good, settled for good. But guys, like the Super Bowl was never something we've ever thought about. You learn a long time ago, and I'm sure Chicago's no different. No other sports town is. But everybody has that moment where they remember watching with their parents and their parents say, don't be a fan of this team. I remember mine. It was 1983 watching in the basement with my father, who's no longer with us at a black and white TV. And he's like, dude, Eddie Murray missed a 42 yard field goal for the win. They lost to the Niners, ironically enough. And my dad goes, never be a fan of this effing team. And that kind of stuck with me. Everybody has that moment. And the Lions have lost in such crazy ways over the years that eventually you go from being a fan that thinks anything is possible to being a guy that realizes it's never going to happen for us. The Super Bowl is not for us. Like, it's just not going to happen. We never get those two weeks to experience and celebrate our team being in the big game. It just doesn't happen. So if the Lions were to win in 48 hours from now or however long it is, this city, A, will be in disbelief, but B, I I just don't know that people will know what to do with themselves. Like, usually it's any little bit of adversity. We automatically go same old lions. We get all negative. We start bitching and moaning. I I don't think people will realize what to do with themselves, but I like to find out. So I, I don't know that I can answer the question because it's never been something that we actually thought was a reality until last week. Like, every Detroit fan has their fantasy of, how they would watch the Super Bowl and what they would do. Would they watch it alone? Would they try to go? Would they spend a life savings? Would they watch it with a bunch of friends? Would you get drunk? Would you not get drunk? Like everybody's thought about it, but we knew we would never get to experience it. And now that it's 60 minutes away, it's wild. I mean, it truly is just listening to people call our station in Detroit, talking about family members that are no longer around, how people are celebrating, the money people are spending to get to San Francisco for this game. It's crazy. So I can't answer the question, but uh, again, I'd like to find out. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. Good luck this weekend, Rieger. I mean, with Michigan winning the title, why not just double down and try for a Super Bowl? That's right. Exactly. I mean, we have the Pistons guys. Five wins. I think we deserve this. You're due. Uh, well, maybe. We'll see, man. <laughs> Have fun. Enjoy it. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it, oh, sir. It's a pleasure, guys. Have a great weekend. That's Thanks, our Jeff. buddy, Jeff Rieger, from our sister station, The Ticket in Detroit, 97.1, and he hosts the Daily Ticket podcast there. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like the Cubs. That's what that sounds like. Oh, yeah, where you're trying to fantasize about what would happen if you actually got to another World Series. What if Lucy doesn't take the football away from Charlie Brown? That's what you're thinking about if you're a Detroit fan. There are people who text in there like, you know what? 
I'm rooting for him. And yep. I, I think that there's a connection there. That's Stu- the, they- Studs is defiantly shaking his head no. No, I'm not going to do it. It didn't change my mind at all. Still feel the same. Somebody said that they're really disappointed in us for seeing how many people were were actually going to cheer for the Lions. And in us as like a show, the text line. Yeah, you know, they're like, I can't believe all these people. I'm just di- like rooting for the Lions. I'm disappointed, and you guys are. It was something along those lines, and I you mean, know, I mean, I'm technically rooting for Baltimore, but I'm not going to be mad if Detroit wins. Made it to a Super Bowl. I mean, that would be pretty great. It would be dope, and we could talk about it. Um, there's other stuff for us to talk about before we get out of here, including in the next segment. We had, if you're someone who really likes the idea of the bears drafting Caleb Williams, you should stick around and hear our next segment because our next guest will, will replay one of our former guests will explain to you why. So don't go anywhere because he's one of the actual draft guys that takes responsibility when he gets stuff right and wrong. You'll want to hear what he has to say about Kayla Williams. It's next here on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Me doing just what I did on Saturday. You know, even though it was far from what I was trying to do and anything like that, it, 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 it showed and spread that kind of awareness that, you know, I may talk about, you know, when I don't have tears in my eyes or, you know, I'm not, you know, I haven't just finished playing a game, you know, that I love. And so, you know, it just, you know, it just shows kind of truth in, you know, what I speak. I mean, you know, being able to go out there and, you know, kind of share that and, and spread that, you know, that sense of being authentic, like you said, is, is important. That is Caleb Williams talking about what happens next for him. He is clearly on everyone's draft board at the top. You've not heard him move out of that space. I'm going to make uh, an executive decision. Is the the ranking member? Uh, I guess the ranking member here. If, if Mitch is not in the in his office. Yeah, I was going to say you've got us all beat. Ray, go over to the performance studio. To go watch the Black Pumas. Are you sure we're in the middle of a show? We got our own show going on here. There. I've just gotten approval oh, from the boss. All right, I'm going. All right, good. The Black Pumas <laughs> are microphone. are performing in our Blue Cross Blue Shield performance studio right now. So Layla and I, during the break, went over to watch. So, and Ray likes them, so just go. Studs, you can't go because you're running, you're in charge of the radio station, so you can't leave. Don't lose the license. Got it. You're literally in charge of that. So, plus, I would let you go 
if I knew how to run the board better, but I've been off the board for quite a while. They, at this they would point. be lost on me because I don't never heard of them. To be perfectly uh, honest, I think you would like that. I think that you would dig fabulous. them. Fabulous. Um, Twitch. I'm sorry, we would send you there if we could. Yeah, we would if we could. XRT but we can't. videos later, they film this stuff. Yes, and they are dope. Uh, people on Twitch that are saying that the Black Pumas are dope. Now, a lot of people think that Caleb Williams is dope. Mario in Hyde Park. Oh, Mario knows that. Mario's probably got them coming to Promontory later on tonight. Hi, Mario. Shout out to the the mayor of Hyde Park, Mario. Back to Caleb Williams. There's been a lot of conversation about him, obviously. We had the opportunity to talk with Daniel Jeremiah of, of NFL Network, NFL Media, who does a great job when it comes to talking about prospects. Here's what he thinks of Caleb Williams. I'll start with what, uh, you know, what I've seen in my own study, uh, which was, you know, last year was, was unbelievable, you know, the way he played. And I think that's where all the, uh, the excitement came from and all the attention. And then, you know, casually watching this year, um, you know, obviously they start out, the schedule's not great and he's kind of doing the same things. And then the schedule got tough and you're just kind of watching on TV and you're like, okay, gosh, he's holding the ball a lot. He's not, you know, he's not, you know, he's trying to do too much. Um, and kind of thinking, okay, man, his, maybe his play really, really fell off, and there's some numbers that will support that. But then I went in and dug into the tape, and when you go in there and watch the tape, one of the things I saw was, man, the interior of the offensive line at USC was was not very good. So as the quality of competition stepped up, um, he was under constant duress. And there are times where I wish you know there were layups available, checkdowns available. He got into some bad habits of not taking those and trying to do too much, trying to get down the field. But when you combine how bad that defense was and what they had to do offensively to win games, I think he, you know, he started pressing a little bit. But it, when I went through everything, I watched everything, I still came away thinking this guy is so freakishly talented and some of the throws he can make are so unbelievable and just a natural, a natural thrower of the football from any arm angle, any platform. Um, and there are examples when he had clean pockets where I've seen him work quickly through progressions, get to number three, um, and get the ball out where it needs to go. But so I, I came away thinking, okay, it wasn't a perfect year. I think maybe in the long run, some adversity was good for him. Um, but this is still, this is a pretty rare talent, uh, in terms of all the things he can do. This is interesting stuff from Daniel Jeremiah, because it, I like that he went back over the tape, feeling a certain way about it and then being proven wrong or kind of proven wrong. And then saying, well, maybe the adversity that he saw against Notre Dame or Utah or against Oregon was actually good for him and will allow him to grow and develop. I mean, that's the hope, right? That's the hope. Talking about being wired for whatever team drafts him, being wired for that pressure. Of course, I'm going to think about here first because – this is the indication we've all gotten. And the Bears are the number one pick, so you should be thinking of Caleb Williams as, like, what does he look like as the Bears quarterback? For sure. But the problem is we also know what we know about the current Bears quarterback, mm-hmm. which is there's a lot of people, growing amount of them in our side of it, saying that the Bears failed him. Yes. So how would the next person do in that scenario? Man, and if they're not wired the same way he is mentally. Layla, you are asking all the right questions about this because the things that we take for granted about Justin, this people just kind of throw away is like, oh, well, of course he's a good teammate. 
And of course he's a good leader. And of course I really respect him. Those things matter as you're trying to develop. And I agree with you that they failed him. I, I plan on making a bigger like closing argument about this somewhere between now and and the draft, but a hundred percent. Acknowledging Caleb Williams' presence likely on the Bears is not discrediting Justin Fields' existence. Or what he went through and how everyone seems to both it's it's funny to me that it is simultaneously accepted and ignored. Was he dealt a bad hand? Yeah, man, it was terrible. Like having Matt Nagy here and doing what he did. Oh, and then them trying to lose on purpose, like Oh, yeah, those are all terrible things that happen. Oh, and we all don't think that the, the offensive coordinator did a great job with them. It's like everyone goes, all of those things are true, but I'm tired of them. Well, and we were talking about that in the pre-show meeting, weren't we, guys? Yep. Like just the whole – I used hypocrisy when I talked about how people talk about him versus how they talk about other quarterbacks and the similar circumstances, and that's accepted as to why they haven't been as good or seen to be as good in the season. But in this case, I I look at it through the lens of if you're Ryan Poles and you have your job on the line and you get two one ones, you have to probably keep one of them and do the thing that everybody expects you to do. I would understand it. I I tend to go the other way on this. Like I I believe that I believe that the Bears with Justin and taking that one and turning it into more multiple ones and you still would have another chance of being 1-1 one, one again, I think that that's an easier path. But I under, I completely understand, like, all right, you got a new guy. You, you got a new guy. He, he might be better than the one that you have, and why not take the chance, especially with all the things that people have said about Kayla Williams. Speaking of which, Dan asked a really great follow-up of, of Daniel Jeremiah, and that's what questions would he want to ask Caleb if he was thinking about drafting him? So for me, like the, the, the stuff on the field is all I'm okay with, and I think anything that he needs to improve with on the field is, uh, is very coachable. So that would not be where my focus would be. Like the, To be honest with you, if I sat down and the first thing I would ask him, I would say, walk me through your preparation week. Let's start with Saturday night, the game ends, you go home, walk me through your week. What does your week look like to get ready for the next game on Saturday? Tell me what you did on each day, what you were studying, how you were taking care of your body, um, what you were doing beyond what was required of you uh, by USC. I want to learn about the work habits. You know, back in the day, you know, it's come a long way because the questions have gotten better. But used to, I'd sit in some of these combine uh, interviews, and coach would ask, oh, "On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your work ethic?" Like, well, I don't ten. A two. Um, like, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I play like, video games all day and Come drink. On. <laughs> Come on, but like to me, I'd say, "Hey, we're, I want to see your notebook. Show me your notebook that you use this year to take notes as you're getting ready for opponents. I want to see like how, like to me, there's different there's different levels to this thing in terms of the great quarterbacks." I, I want to come through this process and find out, is this, is this someone who is, you know, interested in football? Is this someone who's invested in football? Or is this someone who is completely obsessed with football? 
Uh, because if you're going to put the keys to the car and all of our jobs on the line, I sure as heck want somebody to be as passionate or even more passionate about it than I am. I heard you like nuggets. I would like to add this nugget. Brad Biggs this morning casually mentioned on Mully and Haw. Was he talking football with you? He was. He, He mentioned that the Bears had had people at the facility at USC, like not just at games, but at the facility for multiple years. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. I was like, what? I mean, well, did we know this? Well, he was the Heisman this, Trophy was winner this also last year. buried in a mailbag? It was it was like no, Brad Biggs had a mailbag with us. Mailbag oh, with us. <laughs> and that's where he told it. But I'm like, wait a second. You just like threw this out there. And this is the first I've heard of this. Like, we may- hear about scouts being at practices. We hear about Ryan Poles being at a game. But that was a... They've had spies in the facility. Yeah, as they the should. The call came from inside the house. As they should. So some really great stuff, I think, if, if you are trying to figure out which way the Bears should go. <laughs> some great stuff from Daniel Jeremiah. The, I think I find him to be one of the more responsible draft people. I think him and his partner, Bucky Brooks, are responsible with their opinion on draft picks. Notice that you didn't hear him go, generational talent you heard him say unique set of skills different i also think we're just throwing that term around i think people have been very lazy with that generational talent does not mean talent of the year unless generations have now shortened to a year and i'll just say it again the only generational prospect in the last 25 years was andrew luck the only person you can attach that word to there was the campaign well that's what makes me question people that are saying it about Caleb because four years ago, people said it about Trevor Lawrence, who's of the same generation as Andrew Luck. No, of Caleb Williams. Oh, Caleb Williams. Okay, they're in the same generation. So you told me that there was a generational talent four years ago. Even in the NFL, generations don't move that quickly, and in real life, they damn sure don't. They're both Gen Z kids. Anyway, everybody loves a good buzzword. Yeah, they do. Like, like how, you know, off the ball linebackers don't matter. Guess what you're going to be watching this weekend? Four teams with really great off the ball linebackers. They're the same picture. That have played a significant role in why those teams are there. Amazing how that works. Mm -hmm. At least, you know, if we're going down that route, at least... When the Bears got rid of Roquan Smith, they did reinvest in that position. But they tried to tell you that they didn't. That was the fallacy. You remember Matt Eberflus saying that? He's like, oh, we don't draft off-ball linebackers at X position or X spot in the draft. And I was like, wait, but you didn't draft him. Now he's just asking for the exact same money. Well, they they would say we got two for one and it helped us be even worse so we could get a higher draft pick. And therefore, it was the smart thing to do. Help I them still, be even worse so then pe- they could also blame the quarterback. Right. I, I would say that I still have an issue with the process on how that was done and how you made up your mind about what Roquan was in eight games, but when it came to you talking about the guy that you traded for, you needed more than eight games. You needed it to bleed into another season. That's my issue. I do feel like I agree with the 2 2 With a guy who's actually produced in the NFL. You made the decision lightning quick. And then when he was gone, what happened? Oh, he became an all pro. 
Oh, he's, twice. He's on a team that's still playing right now. That is correct, and he's a major reason why they're still playing. Huh. Also, yes, 224, I agree with you receiver-wise. I think MHJ is generational. I said it. I like that. We need to talk about something that happened cool on Jeopardy, and it wasn't our guy Mike C. Nelson. It was something else. Mike C. Nelson brought it, though. And he and he won Jeopardy. He won, was it four nights on Jeopardy he won? I think he won four nights on Jeopardy. Oh, the, yeah. The one no, you just he talked said, to? He played, yeah. he, played, he played four games, so he, he won, won three. three times. Yeah, he, he won a significant amount of money on Jeopardy. And I've met his brother. What the hell, man? Chicago is is the world's smallest big city, man. Undefeated. It's really, but if you're a Cub fan and you like Jeopardy and you're petty, you're really going to like our next segment. Don't go anywhere. It's next on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Do you ever play on the couch? Do you ever play against the Jeopardy contestants? Of course. Who doesn't? I do too. I'm, but I'm like Mike C. Nelson yesterday when he talked about his younger years when he would get one or two right. That's me. Like, oh, I got one. Oh, in college, I could sweep categories. And now my brain just thinks about sports all the time. Sports, 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 sports. and sports. And, and I've memorized like every song that I hear because that's useful. I'd say so. All of that, that space, you know, where... You can get to stuff quickly, and you used to be able to index it quickly like you would need to on a game show. It's just gone. It's it's filled with me looking up air raid formations and stuff. Yeah, mine is a, that was an old ESPN promo, you know, the knowledge replacing other knowledge. Mesh. Yeah. Y cross. Yeah. Attack like when, grass. It's like when Homer took that home winemaking course and forgot how to drive. Yes, yes, that's exactly how it is. Well, we promised you a Cub fan on Jeopardy who was petty. And damn it, we're going to deliver. All this beautiful for 1,200, please. This St. Louis Cardinals great slugged his 700th home run in 2022, his last season in Major League Baseball. Lloyd. Who is the wretched Albert Pujols? Wow, yes. (laughs) The answer is correct. I can't speak to the adjective. Go Cubs. Go Cubs. Nailed it. Lloyd nailed it. How did he say it in the exact Jeopardy tone you need to say it to? He did. He didn't didn't get. Who is the wretched Albert Pujols? The wretched. Something said by Ken Jennings, followed by Go Cubs. Vanessa got in trouble for seeing the wretched. She went down to Baltimore to have big fun with the wretched. And then she found out, and America found out that day that America had a black mom. The best episode of the Cosby show. When people are like, oh, oh, is that what your life is like? It's like, yes, that's exactly how what my life is like. Didn't this come up recently, this discussion again? It's always relevant, I think. <laughs> Vanessa having big fun with the wretched in Baltimore. Just the worst of the of the Huxtable kids. I'm I'm Ray, I will die on this hill. <laughs> of the Huxtable kids. And and he's the one, the worst and, one. And look, look. We don't know what happens with Rudy because the show goes off the air before she goes to college. And clearly, Sandra was a disappointment because they paid all that money for her to go to Yale 
and she opened an out outback store or whatever, outdoor store. And we know that Denise dropped out of college twice. Denise and Vanessa, was artistic. And Vanessa is still the worst Huxtable kid. What about Theo? No, see, that yep, the, that would be my next question. Theo got, Theo got the renaissance. He did. He Theo, did. You're right Theo about that. Theo was the worst kid at the beginning of the show. But then they found out that all of his issues were that he had a learning disability. And once they figured it out, what happened? He went to college, got his, his grad school degree, and got all sorts of crazy job offers. Theo ended up being the best of the Huxtable children. Vanessa, by far the worst. I will die on this hill. I don't know that I have an argument against it. She's the worst. She was their worst kid. Just awful. But I love that episode because the way that Claire Huxtable reacted to Vanessa going to Baltimore to be with the wretched is exactly how my mother would have reacted. And when you finally heard Claire Huxtable scream at somebody, America was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's what it's like. And now you know, too. Now you know that America has a black mom. We'll talk with Parkinson Spiegel next here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.